This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime at our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. Have you ever had fear lie to you? Ever been afraid? All kinds of fears rise up, you know? And uh, my Bible tells us that the devil, he is a liar, is he not? He's a father of lies. And he's always trying to deceive us and lie to us, you know? And we don't have to believe that. We really don't. Well, what we started talking about a couple weeks ago is about for sure. There are some things that you can be sure of, and you really can. And you can be sure that the devil's going to lie. He ain't going to tell you anything positive. He's going to lie to you. And God's word is 100% the truth. And you can bank on it. You know, you can count on it. But uh, let me just read a couple of verses. I don't even think I have them in the uh, lineup up there. But I want us to read you a couple of verses before we uh, <clears throat> start off here. In Jeremiah 32, uh, 27, it says, I am the Lord, the God of all peoples of the world, is anything too hard for me? Question mark. That is a question. The Lord says, I'm the God of all peoples of the world. Is anything too hard for me? Three of you know the answer to that question. Is anything too hard for God? Absolutely not. Listen what Job said in Job 42.1. And these are not in that, my uh, uh, presentation here, so if you're looking for them. It says, then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything, and no one can stop you. That's the answer to the question in Jeremiah. Is anything too hard for me? And Job says, I know you can do anything, and no one can stop you. And that is true. And you can count on it. And as you and I if we'll invest a little bit of time into this book, you will find things in here that will benefit you better than any bank book, that, than anything that you can ever do or pursue. You'll find things in this book that will impact you and your family, your health, your wealth, your future, all of that, and even clear up a lot of your past. God's Word, you can bank on it. You can count on it. Well, let's look at Hebrews chapter 11. Looking with me to verse 1. And it says here, <clears throat> faith is the confidence. Confidence. It's the certainty. You know, well, without any doubt at all, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It's confidence. When you pray, are you confident God's going to hear your prayers? Yeah. Are you confident he's going to answer your prayers? Yeah? Yeah? Yeah. It says faith is confidence. Think about it. Are you a very confident person? When you read God's word, does it produce confidence in you? It does. It changes us. It genuinely does. Let me read it again. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It, talking about faith, it will give us assurance I mean, I'm talking about a certainty here about things we cannot see. See, faith is being sure about unseen expectations. 
You can expect something that you can't see with your natural eye and you genuinely expect it and lo and behold, it comes to pass. Anybody ever expected a baby? Did it come to pass? I mean, you know, when you're expecting and hope is a confident expectation. It's confidence there. Anyhow, when we're thinking about this, faith is, is really a way of viewing things from God's perspective. It, it, we can see things from God's perspective, not just from our own human perspective. Faith is a refusal to panic. So listen to what it says here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 27. It says it was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing, it was by faith he left this land, not fearing, faith removes fear. It says it was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. Have you ever had your eyes on the one who's invisible? It's possible to do that. You go, what are you talking about? I'm talking about faith. It's a way of viewing things from God's perspective. God enables you to see the invisible. It's a thing that we call faith. It enables us to see the invisible, to expect. Although you can't see it with your natural eye, you expect it and you see it coming to pass. Faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's just naturally, all that stuff happens all the time. But faith, you see, it begins where human power ends. For sure. Genuinely, it does. And sometimes we don't put much time and energy and effort into understanding faith and appropriating it and applying it to our life and seeing the consequences of what it will do for us, our family, our loved ones, and those in our sphere of influence. <clears throat> A pastor was visiting a family whose son had a terminal ailment. They continued to refer to him, saying that they couldn't do this and they couldn't do that because life was so uncertain. And after hearing them use this statement several times in the course of their visit, the pastor said, life is uncertain for everyone. You just happen to know it. Is life uncertain? Who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? Maybe I can go fishing. Maybe be warm enough. I don't know. I probably better go to church tomorrow, I think. You know. <laughs> but life is uncertain. What happens in the world is uncertain. You read the newspaper. You hear the news. These things happen unexpectedly. Life is uncertain. But I'm going to tell you something. God's word is absolutely sure. You, it is certain. You can count on it. You, you can bank on it. You can live by it and you can die by it. It is certain. Everything that God says is absolutely true. And it will change a man, a woman, a boy or a girl's life when they grab a hold of it and get it on the inside. Although all the stuff around us is so uncertain, God's word is 100% sure it's secure. You can count on it. And security is really not the absence of trouble, but it's confidence. 
It's this confidence and this courage that we have in the midst of trouble because of faith in God. God changes things. Has anybody here ever had God change circumstances in your life for you when you prayed? And he does that on a regular basis. He genuinely is like, oh, you mean it's not just a one, one, once in a lifetime kind of thing? You mean I should keep praying? I got one prayer answered and I can ask for something else? What do you think? Absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt. Well, those who trust in themselves have a different outcome than those who put their trust in Almighty God, for sure. I mean, and you can be certain about this. <laughs> Listen to what it says in Amos chapter 5, verse 19. It says, in that day, you will be like a man who runs from a lion only to meet a bear. Escaping from the bear, he leans his hand against the wall in his house, and he's bitten by a snake. I mean, that's one kind of Murphy Law thing, you know? And you understand the houses were made out of these big old rocks and chunks of rock, and you can imagine how a snake could possibly get up in there. But the guy that says he was, <clears throat> excuse me, running from a lion, ran into a bear, ran away from the bear. Whew, he's finally safe, leans up against the wall in his home and is bitten by a snake. Life is uncertain, but I can promise you this. Almighty God will take care of you genuinely 100%. Life is filled with dangers. He never said it wasn't. It's filled with dangers and not every, everywhere is safe. Actually, I don't think there's anywhere safe on this planet. Really, there's all kinds of things here, you know. And we will never be safe when we depend upon exclusively human wisdom. Just human wisdom, human strength, what will never enable us to accomplish what God has created us to do. Psalms chapter 20, verse 7, it says, Some trust in chariots. This is Old Testament. That was their war machines of those days. That was their tanks, you know, and all. It says, Some trust in chariots and, and some in horses. It says, But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. He is our security. He is our Hiding place, you see. Truth of it is, if you're trusting in just material human things, they will let you down. People can let you down, can't they? Absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt. It says, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. We will remember the name of the Lord our God. And there is power in the name of the Lord our God. Have you ever heard somebody say Jesus in a profane way? Why don't they take the name of Buddha or 10,000 other false gods and use those as a swear? The devil inspires people to try to blaspheme the name of God. The name of Jesus is the only name where our sins can be washed away. And in the name of Jesus, many have been healed and restored and demons cast out. And there have even been, we see it throughout the scriptures, dead people were raised in the name of Jesus. And it tells us some put their trust in the, 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 the war machines of that day. They trust in chariots and they trust in horses. He says, but we will remember the name 
of the Lord our God. They, verse 8 says, they, talking about those who trust in chariots and horses, they're brought down and they're fallen, putting their trust in human wisdom and strength. But we are risen and, and we stand upright by putting our trust in God. See, our, our security can't be in military. Now, I pray for the military and I support them 100%. You know, I have a son in the military. But that is not the answer to all a man's problems, is it? It is not. Our security is not in the military. It's not in the city walls. It's not in the political minds. Our security is not in scientific research. And our security is not in what so many people call the almighty dollar. Because none of those things can bring the security and the safety, the satisfaction, the transformation that we all need in our lives. Psalms 9, verse 9, it says, The Lord is a shelter for the oppressed, a refuge in time of trouble. He is our hiding place. He shelters us. He is a place of safety. Those who know your name trust in you. Verse 10, Those who know your name trust in you, for you, O Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. What the scripture tells us would happen when we're searching and we're seeking for God. We'll find him. And he says that we seek him and his kingdom. All the things that we have need of will come looking for us. They'll be added to us. They really will. Our security comes from faith in God, not in any circumstances. Psalms 46 verse 1, it says, God is our refuge. The, the message Bible says he's a, a safe place to hide. It says here, God is our refuge and our strength. God is our power. He's our muscle, if you would. God is our refuge and strength always, what's that word? Always ready, willing, equipped. I'm talking about standing by. You understand standing by? It's like, you need me. I'm standing by. Just call me, you know. And that's what he says right here. God is our refuge and our strength. He's always ready. He's standing by. He is equipped and he is willing to help in times of trouble. And that's for sure. You can count on that. Verse 2 says, so we will not fear because God is standing by. So we will not fear. Fear is a liar. If you are moved and motivated and make decisions based upon fear, you will be going in the wrong direction. You will be making bad decisions if we're motivated by fear. The Bible tells us he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. That's what he tells us. So we will not fear. Even, look at what he says, when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea, Listen to what the psalmist says in verse 3. Let the oceans roar and foam. Do you hear what's the, in his voice there? He's going, bring it on. Listen to what he says. Let the oceans roar. Come on. Let the oceans roar and foam. The tsunamis come. He says, my trust is in the almighty God. And he has a purpose for me. And when he's done with me here, he'll take me to heaven. And I can trust him. I'm not going to be running out of fear 
here and there and always being controlled by everything I do, by fear and worry and anxiety. It says, so we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble. He's saying, bring it on as the waters surge. And then he uses this word interlude, which means stop and think about that. Would you ever dare have the audacity when you're praying to say, just bring it on? Well, I'm not going to pray because I might get the devil mad at me and he might make something bad happen. I'm going to tell you this. The devil's already making all the bad happen to you that he can right now. That's the truth of it. And God's given us armor. And the armor is made out of the word of God. So we're running around in our pajamas and we're taking lots of hits because we're not in the word. You know, we can't blame that on God. God has given us armor, a helmet of salvation, a sword of the spirit, you know, a shield of faith. The, our, our loins girded about with truth, the breastplate of righteousness, all the pieces of armor are, are, are molded and shaped from the word of God. From a man or a woman reading the word, the armor is placed upon us. And it can handle all the attacks of the enemy of our soul. And you can count on that, for sure. You genuinely can. He says in Psalms 46, verse 10, be still. Slow down, be still, be quiet, you know. be still, don't panic. You know, what happens when people panic? You know what people do when they get lost on a mountain and they panic? You know what they do? They run. They get lost I'm not sure if that's the proper word, but you know what I'm talking about. They make bad choices when they panic. They run and, and, and they should have just sat down and listened. Can I hear a road? Can I hear a stream? You know, is there anything I can, you know, but they panic and they make bad choices. That's the truth of it. It says here in verse 10, be still. Now this is God talking to us. Be still. Slow down. Be quiet. Don't panic. Don't fear. Be still and know for sure that I am God. And he tells us over in 1 Corinthians, he tells us that God speaks in a still, small voice. You don't have to have a loud, thunderous, big voice. God, it says, he speaks to us in a still, small voice, so we got to slow down. We've got to get quiet. You've probably heard Christians refer to that before, like, in the morning, I have my quiet time. I get quiet. I read his word. I might sing. I might pray. But I'm slowed down. I'm not in a panic. Uh, you know, it's like, what am I doing? He says, you be still, and you'll know that I am God. He'll show up on the scene. He's going to take care of you, you know. Let me read that, uh, that last verse, verse 10, out of the Message Bible. It says, step out of the traffic. What, what does Waterbury look like early in the morning, you know? Or Hartford, you know? Or, or Queen Street nowadays. I don't know what in the world they did down there. <laughs> but the traffic is like crazy. Have y'all ever dealt with traffic like that? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you're kind of rolling your eyes. I understand. 
the Bible says, step out of the traffic. You know, get off an exit somewhere. Step out of the traffic. Take a long, loving look at me, your high God, above politics, above everything. He's saying, look at me, seek me, because he's got what you need. He's got what I need. We say, well, I'm in too big of a hurry to spend time with God. And God was going to tell you, well, the road's out down there. The bridge is out down there, you know. You're going to find out in about an hour of driving that way that you can't get through. You, you think you're too busy to pay attention to God? Would you like God to give you wisdom and insight for your life? For, for you, for your children, for your health, for your wealth, for your future? It says, step out of the traffic. Take a long, loving look at me. A long, loving look. Not rules and regulations, not religion. But take a long, loving look at me. We're talking about relationship with God. Take a long, loving look at me, your high God, above politics, rules, and regulations, above everything he tells us there. You ever wonder how come God didn't just uh, give you everything you need to get through life? Just everything. So you didn't have to work so hard, get this and get that. I read about a king years ago, and this king, he allotted a certain allowance on an annual basis for his son, who was a prince now. He did all kinds of things. And the king, he, he saw his son once a year. And then he changed his plan, and he gave his allowance to his son every morning. Plenty to do anything he needed to do or wanted to do. And now the king saw his son every morning. Most of those mornings they probably had breakfast together. They might have took a walk together. I would assume. I, I would assume they went fishing too, you know, in the mornings and stuff like that. You know, I would assume that they did. But you think about this for a moment. What does the scriptures tell us? Let me just find a little piece of a verse here where Jesus, he was trying to educate us and teach us how to pray. And he taught us how to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Wonder why he taught us to pray daily for our provisions. You think God might like to hang out with us? When he says, step out of the traffic, slow down, take a long, loving look at me. He says, he, he has everything you could possibly need and want. Can we slow down a little bit and hang out with him and let him speak to us through his word and cause our faith to rise? Uh, a very familiar passage. Now, you know, Romans 8, 28 is about my number one favorite, but Philippians chapter four is, 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 is close right there behind it. And it says here in Philippians four, six says, don't. Slow down, slow down. I did it on purpose. Thank you for helping me out there. Don't worry about anything, and I'll guarantee you, though I read this verse probably two or three weeks ago, since that time we've have probably worried about something. Think so? Don't worry about anything. 
Hmm. I, I want you just to focus just for a moment. What is the number one that makes you, don't tell me out loud, just think about it for a moment. What's the number one thing that makes you worry? On a regular basis, it, it repeats itself. It comes back up again and again. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And then thank him for all he has done. Has he done anything for you? Let's take just a few seconds right now and do what he said. The thing that you're tempted to worry about, let's just take a few seconds together and pray about it. Can we do that? Bear heads with me right now. Father, these things that are in our mind, we worry about them from time to time. And we know that worry is nothing more than fear, and it is a liar. And Lord, so we ask that you would help us in these situations. You can change circumstances. And we're asking you for a miracle, Lord. We are choosing not to worry, not to be fearful about those things anymore. But we're asking you to work a miracle in there. Give us the wisdom what we should do and what we should not do. And Father, by the way, all the things you have done for us when we have prayed, thank you. And all the things you've done for us when we didn't even pray, you just did them. Thank you, Father. You're so awesome. You're so wonderful. You're so good to us. Meet the needs of my brothers and sisters right here. As we have chosen right now, we're not going to worry. We're going to pray. We're going to thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And then he says, verse 7, then you'll experience for sure God's peace, which exceeds anything you could understand. His peace will guard, like a security guard, if you would, you know. His peace is going to protect and shield. His peace, which exceeds anything we can understand his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. He is our hiding place. He is our bunker, if you would. He is our shelter, our castle. He is our harbor from the storms. He is. And, and he tells us we don't have to worry about anything. If we're in Christ, we're safe. You're safe. You are protected when you are in Christ. Psalms 32, verse 7, it says, You are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. Selah, which means, you know, stop and think about that, you know. Look at it again. Uh, you know, chew on that a little bit. I was reading about this woman who was going across Lake Michigan in this big boat, this little ship, you would call it there. And, uh, it was kind of misty, foggy, and it was uh, kind of dark, and it was hard to see. And these big old jagged rocks were all over the place, and she was getting really, really, really nervous. And she asked the captain of the ship, said, do you know where all the rocks are? He said, no, ma'am, I do not. But I do know where it is safe. I can't tell you about all the dangers that lie ahead of us, but I can tell you where it's safe at. And it's in a relationship with Jesus. In him, what we just got through reading. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything. We can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live. Where? In Christ Jesus. He is our hiding place. He is a place of refuge. He is our fortress. 
He is our security. It's a safe place. He's our hiding place. Psalms, just so you hear this, this is echoed, and I'm not reading them all. This is just echoed throughout the Bible, but just listen to Psalms alone. Psalms 119, 114. You are my hiding place and my shield. I wait for your word because your word builds my faith. Psalm 17, verse 8. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. Like a, an eagle hides its, its little ones under its wings from the sun and the heat and from the rain and from any other kind of a predator. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. Psalms 25, uh, 27, 5. For in the day of trouble, he will conceal. He will conceal me in his tabernacle in the secret place. You know God's got a secret place? I've, I found it. I don't, I don't know if you found it or not, but there's a secret place. And the genuine one is a secret. But you can find it if you want it. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me and he will lift me up on a rock. Psalms 31, 20, you hide them in the secret place of your, what does it say? Of your presence. God loves to hang out with you. He's crazy about you. He loves you to hang out with him, to want to be hanging out with him. You hide them in the secret place of your presence from the conspiracies of man. You keep them secretly in a shelter from the strife of tongues. Psalms 64, 2 says, Hide me from the secret counsel of the evildoers, from the tumult of those who do iniquity. For sure, you can count on it. Over and over and over, he talks about this hiding place. He talks about this secret hiding place that's in his tent, his tabernacle, that's in his presence. If you can find his presence you will find this safe, secure hiding place that nothing can harm you when you're in this hiding place. Interesting, is it not? Um, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. It says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. This is Jesus talking. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. You mean I've got to actually believe enough to take action? If I say I love him, you mean I actually got to have corresponding actions that I genuinely do? And then he goes on to say in verse 24, anyone who listens to my Teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents. I'm talking about storms and hurricanes and tsunamis. And, you know, you remember, you know, Noah and the ark? There was a flood coming there, man. Massive flood. Over and over you see these floods in the, in the Bible. But we have these torrential floods that are coming against us. And he says, though the rain comes in torrents and the flood water rise and the flood waters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse. This is talking about your house. It won't collapse because it is built on bedrock, on solid rock, because you heard the teachings of Christ and you acted on them. And then he goes on, 
to tell us, but anyone who hears my teaching, Jesus says, and ignores it. Now, is it possible to hear what Christ says and ignore it? Is that it'd be healthy for us? It's because like God's trying to take all the fun out of life. You know, if, um, what if you would like this wonderful, fantastic freedom called driving an automobile? How many of you like that? Most of you? I'm sure the kids in the other room over there would all have their hands up. The ones in nursery, I'm sure would, you know, as well. Give me freedom, freedom, you know. But the thing is, you got to follow the instructions of your driver's handbook, don't you? What if, and I see this quite often, I see people not stop at a stop sign. You ever seen that happen? I'm going like, you ought to be ashamed of yourself, you know. I will give you a lecture if you slow down so I can catch up with you, you know. What about when the light is red and they blow through it? Is that safe? You will lose your freedom pretty quick, won't you? And hopefully you lose it quicker by somebody pulling you over and taking your license away from you than by an accident that hurts people. But we want to read the, the teachings of how to drive an automobile, how to have this wonderful, fantastic freedom. We want that freedom, but we need to, you know, go when it's green and be cautious when it's yellow, and we need to stop when it's red, you know. We need to abide by those things so we can have this fantastic freedom called driving. 24-7 you can use that freedom and go anywhere in, in, in our, our, at least in our United States, and some other places you can go as well. Anyhow, he says that, but anyone who hears my teaching and ignores it is foolish. Like a person who runs stop signs and red lights on a regular basis, it's foolishness. And I hope they take your license away from them. I really do, because it might hurt somebody. Is that right? I mean, you say, well, how could you be that way, Pat? Because I don't want to hurt the people. I want to kill people, you see, by just ignoring the rules, you know. But he says, anyone who hears my teaching and ignores it is foolish. They disregard it. They pay no attention. It's foolish like a person who builds a house on sand. Let's just say you saved a lot of money, build your house. You don't save a, a few bucks by not putting in a foundation, just build it on the grass, right? That's foolish. Your house stand a couple years with our kind of climate here, Rain, snow, sleet and hail and all that kind of stuff. Your house is going to fall over in two or three years probably, right? Would that be foolish? No, you do it right, you see. And it says, but anyone who hears my teaching and ignores it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. And when the rain and the floods come, he didn't say if they come. He said when they come. And the wind beats against the house, it will collapse. It will fall down. It will cave in. It will crumble. It will disintegrate. That's what God's word says. With a mighty crash. When people don't act upon what God's word says. Yeah, I don't have to do that. I don't do that no more. And we wonder why things get so bad. It's because we ignore God. And God says, well, I'll tell you how to do this. You do it this way, this way, this way, this way. Oh, thank you. And if we just ignore them, I don't need your advice. You know, we're, we're choosing a hard, hard course to go. Well, let me see how much of this I can uh, share with you. Job chapter 8, verse 11, it says, Can papyrus 
That's what they first made pages of books and all out of. Can papyrus reeds grow tall without a marsh? Papyrus grows in like a swampy place. Can it grow without a marsh? Question mark. Can marsh grass flourish without water? Can marsh grass grow out there in the desert? It's a question, you know. While they are still flowering, not ready to be cut, they begin to wither more quickly than grass if they don't have water. And he says, the same happens to all who forget God. They wither. If you forget God, you wither. Your fruit will not, your, your, your blossom, your flower will not produce a fruit if we forget God. He says, the same happens to all who forget God. The hopes of the godless evaporate. That means the expectations of those who leave God out evaporate. Their confidence hangs by a thread. They're leaning on a spider's web. They cling to their home for security, but it won't last. You remember the story about these two little pigs? I'm talking about the two that built their house with straw and built their house with twigs. There is another one, but he ain't part of the group I'm talking about. <laughs> you remember them two little pigs? I mean, what did the wolf do to their house? <laughs> he huffed and he puffed and he blew them down. Is that right? It says in verse 15 in Job 8, it says they cling to their home for security, but it won't last. Because the enemy of our soul will huff and puff and blow it down. But the third little pig was a wise little pig. And he built his house out of brick or stone. And the wolf huffed and puffed, but he couldn't blow it down. He was hyperventilating. He climbed up on top of the things. He was going to play Santa Claus, came down the chimney, and ended up in wolf soup. You know what I'm talking about. And the Bible says when you and I hear the word of God... And you can debate it and you can talk to other people and you can choose not to do it. But if we hear God's word and we just take action upon it, he says you're building your house like that third little pig. It's, it's rock solid. It's on a solid rock. And when the storms of life or the wolves of life come, your house will stand the test of time. That's what he's telling us here. Genuinely is. And, and in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 26, it says the high... Rexes. You know what those things are? Rock badgers. They're these badgers that, that live under the surface. He says these high rexes, these, these rock badgers, they aren't powerful, but they make their homes among the rocks. They make their homes among the rocks. And when a hawk flies over, does a rock badger come out of there, just put his little paws up? Come on down here, come on. Face me like a man or face me like a rock badger. Come on. Does a rock badger defend himself? No. He goes down into the rocks and lets the rocks defend him. And it says here, hyraxes, they aren't powerful, but they make their homes among the rocks. Hmm. The rock badgers know where their security lies. It's not in their speed or their ability to box. When a hawk comes over there, they get down there amongst the rocks. And you and I can learn from this rock badger. Let me read you just another verse or so. Psalms 119 verse 114 says, Thou art my hiding place. 
Thou art my hiding place. Like the rock badger going down into the rocks. Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. And you and I, the scripture refers to Jesus as being the rock of our salvation. And he is our hiding place in his presence. And, and, and we can find great safety and security. The same way the rock badger finds his safety and security down amongst the rocks, you and I find safe and security in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's lo- he loves you. He's, he's crazy about you. He really is. There's an old song. I'm not going to sing it really, but I'll read you a couple of the words. It's an old hymn. And it goes on, Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. My hope, that means my expectations, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and, and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but I wholly lean on Jesus' name. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, in him be found, in relationship with him, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before his throne. You know what? God loves you. He's crazy about you. And he has always welcomed us. He's tugging at us every day with sunrises and sunsets and beautiful things all around us. Whether we see them or smell them or partake of them, he's always trying to get our attention, saying, I love you, I love you. He wants us in relationship with him. And that's where you and I are safest. He is our hiding place. He is our refuge. He is that rock of Gibraltar, that impenetrable castle, you know, that, that rock that is a fortress. He's, he's lo- he loves you. He's crazy about you. He genuinely is. Oh, there's so much more I want to tell you about him. But we'll just have to do it on another occasion. But I want to challenge you right now. And then we're going to have our ushers come up and they're going to open up this baptismal tank here. And we're going to have a, a water baptism for those uh, who are ready for that. And, uh, but before we do, I want to just invite you to discover the safe place, this safe hiding place in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ a place where he protects us and watches over us and he provides all the things that we have need of. And we don't have to fight in our own human strength. We can just learn to hang out with him and learn to do things his way and and we'll be on solid rock and the enemy of our soul can't get to us. Would you bow your heads with me right now? What I'd like you to do, I'd like you to join me in a simple prayer. A prayer, if you already know Christ, to reaffirm your faith in him to declare that right now publicly. And if, if you are not sure, if you're in a relationship with him, would you declare your faith with us right now? Whether you're in this room or downstairs in our cafe or in the balcony or you're watching you know, from different locations online, I invite you to pray with us right now and declare your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ after all he's done for us to forgive our sins, to receive his forgiveness, and receive his invitation for a relationship with him. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. 
And that's why you sent your son Jesus. I believe that Jesus died in my place. And I believe that he rose from the dead. And I believe that Jesus is knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide that door. And I welcome Jesus into my life as my Savior, as my Lord, and as my King. I'm sorry for my sinful ways. And I'll receive your forgiveness right now. Help me get to know you more. Help me to develop a relationship where I can trust you more. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.